Episode 15. I find their illogic and foolish emotions a constant irritant. And transfer out, freak! I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass, and I'm all out of bubblegum. Cheap, lying, no good, rotten, four-flushing, low-life, snake-licking, dirt-eating, inbred, overstuffed, ignorant, blood-sucking, dog-kissing, brainless, dickless, hopeless, heartless, fat-ass, bug-eyed, stiff-legged, spotty-legged, and now, together by live simulation via the internet, Scott Gardner and Chris Honeywell. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. No, blah, blah, blah. Hey, welcome back. I'm uh, Chris Honeywell from Two True Freaks, and I'm here with former Boston Pops timpani player, Scott Gardner. And a uh, little trivia fact is uh, he actually played timpani on the recording of the Beatles' Yellow Submarine. How's it going, Scott? Hey, I'm all right, man. How you doing? Good. Did you get to meet Yoko while you were there? Yeah, did you, yeah, did, I did. You, did you get a little El Poco at uh, Yoko? If you, yeah. Uh, if you get my drift. Ah, oh, that's a scary thought right there. Yeah. No, all 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 her uh, I, 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 I singing stuff kind of you know kind of kind of doesn't you know, really I, hit your pleasure centers, does it? <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah, I was at work last night, and there was a beautiful girl at the bar, and uh, she started talking, and I swear her voice could like shatter diamonds. It was just so <laughs> piercing, and there's just loud, crappy rock music playing, and it just sliced through it like a razor blade. Terrible. Biggest, biggest buzzkill ever. It was just like, wow, she's, whoa, ow. <laughs> anyway. Oh, that's, that's what ball gags are for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's another episode altogether. <laughs> Maybe that's our, that'll be the uh, topic of our next Thanksgiving peace message <laughs> anyway we're on topic today where it's we're in the comics monthly monday world this is our second one so we're gonna talk a little comic books and then we're gonna go over the second issue of the walking dead yay Which, and uh, i i just i just have to tease that uh that uh i don't know that i have a one particular favorite issue, but this this one is high up there. It's up I there with really, me too. yeah, I love this second issue. So yeah, chomping to get to that one. But um, first off, I guess we're just gonna talk comics a little bit. Yep. Um Me, you want me to start out? Yeah, go ahead. What you got? Um, well, I guess I'm about 22 years too late, but I finally read Watchmen. All right. Because I mainly read it because I wanted to see the preview and know what was going on. <laughs> and if so I what, just, oh, sorry. No, I was just gonna add. What, what, what did you? Th I'm I'm curious to know what you thought of it. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed reading it. The first 
three issues or so were good. But after that, it really sucked me in to where I was looking forward to reading each one. And I liked the sort of format of a comic book. And then you had to read a little bit of text from something that would shade the story that you just read. And that it would give you a little information for something, you know, foreshadowing something coming up. Um, basically, I wanted to see if the movie was something I'd be interested in, in, in going to see. And, and watching the preview, I have absolutely, I watched it and I said, wow, I have absolutely no idea what's going on. So I don't know if this is a good adaption or, or potentially a good adaption or whatever. So, uh, maybe it's because I read it 22 years after it came out, but it doesn't seem as revolutionary as maybe I thought it was going to be. I liked the sort of new angle on the superheroes, but a very traditional sort of panel style. And uh, the the ending of it was very prescient of uh, 9-11. I think um, Alan Moore really knows his politics, or maybe even more than knowing he knows his politics. Score. Yeah, exactly. Who was that? Was that was not was? No, hell no. That was uh, Pop Will Eat Itself. Pop Will Eat Itself. Um, but he definitely has a really good uh, knowledge of history and the context of history, which sort of shows through all his work that he's done. But I, I really liked it, so I'm kind of looking forward to the movie, but at the same time, I've got a little bit of dread because it's the same director who did 300, which I didn't really like. I thought it was all style and no substance. But then again, the comic was all style and no substance. And it, in that respect, it was a faithful rendition of, of the comic book. They had to pad it out to fit more time, but they didn't put anything really deep in there. It was all just visually, visually nice, but... I just didn't get into the story, you know, it didn't suck me in. I looked at it and said, wow, that's a beautiful scene unfolding, beautiful looking. Although a lot of it looked like it was just people running around in front of a green screen to me. So, but upon watching the preview now and reading the comic, it looks like it could be a pretty accurate adaption. It looks like it could be pretty good. I don't know. A lot of people have been really freaked out, and it's weird because a lot of people have been anticipating this movie like I would anticipate a new Star Wars movie or something, you know? And to me, I've had really no interest in it because I never read the comics, and I'm glad that something Alan Moore is getting adapted other than Constantine, and that it doesn't have Keanu Reeves in it. But he's off ruining another movie. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's off destroying another uh, classic, treasured, beloved, favorite of millions of people. Cool. Um, yeah, I mean, Watchmen, it's, it's a funny thing, because it's hard to talk about Watchmen sometimes, because it, 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 it has a, a level of fanaticism that you, you seldom see outside of, like, Star Wars or Star Trek. Star, or... Well, I was going to compare it to like religion, but you know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that too. Oh, that's a religion to now too, but yeah, I mean, I mean, you you don't see 
that level of of fanaticism usually outside of something like Star Wars, Star Trek, or you know, some some religion or something. But uh, so it's it's one of those things that you almost have to walk on eggshells. But I mean, I make no I make no bones about the fact of I liked it, and that's as far as I can go. I I really don't see what the big hullabaloo right. was all about. I mean, it's a, it, it, yes, it's an entertaining story. I'm not saying I didn't like it, but it's just one of those things where I walk away from it going, that was okay, and I go on to the next thing. And, and I don't... It didn't change my world. It didn't necessarily even rock my world. I don't hold it up there as... Not you know I I mean I know a lot of people where this is like to them this is their ultimate comic book experience you know right. this is the thing and to me it's like eh you know there's there's a there's hundreds of other things I would put way ahead of this I mean the 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 first thing that comes to my mind I mean my alt my Watchmen my personal Watchmen is Crisis on Infinite Earths I would put that way above Watchmen but that I don't know I mean that's just me I mean everybody's got their own Right. thing that floats their boat. Um, I will say that, you know, I, I could take or leave the movie. I mean, I I really have zero interest in it at this point, only because, I mean, you know, I just don't hold Watchmen up there, you know, as, as some big deal thing. And I, I, I'm curious, though, because Alan Moore movies have have a strange track record, you know? I'm trying to think of any besides... Constantine. Well, there was, um, there was, you know, and I took some flack for it um, on the forum for mentioning it in another episode. But there was the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, oh, right, 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 and then there was uh, V for Vendetta. Oh, right, yes. And you know, I look at either one of those and go, you know, uh, how would Watchmen work with this formula, or how would Watchmen work with the other formula? Because basically. With League, you got you got the typical comic book adaption. You got where somebody took the idea right. of it, but then ran in a whole different direction and did their own thing, and it, it has very little resemblance to the comic book original. And then you've got V, which to me, V for Vendetta is a hell of a lot like Hitcher's, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, the movie. It's a very faithful adaption to a point. And they get to that point, and suddenly it takes that left turn into Weirdsville, where it no longer resembles the source material. Right. And so I liked V for Vendetta up till about the point of the standing in the rain sequence, whatever you call that part, you know, where she has her her moment, and then it just kind of falls flat it it doesn't have the same emotional impact and resonance and all that that i think the original i don't know if you've ever read v for vendetta but i uh, that's another one i would put way heads and, and shoulders above watchmen i think v for vendetta is a comic book masterpiece you know worthy of of all the accolades and more accolades than it gets whereas i i, I just you know watchmen to me is I think my my basic problem with the Watchmen, you know, it was originally intended to be a story of the Charlton heroes, you know, the Question and Blue Beetle and uh, uh, Peacemaker and all those guys, 
And for some reason, I don't know if DC just didn't want them to use those guys. They had plans for them, or they got cold feet, or the story was whatever the reason was. They didn't okay more to use those characters. So that's why he created his own. He, he created the Watchmen and all that. But I mean, if you look at those characters, you know they're pretty straight analogies back to the source material of of the Charlton characters. I think I would have loved it if they had used the Charlton characters. I like all those characters, right. and I, I think that they're really, really awesome characters. I, I like the you know their roots and all that, and then especially where DC has gone with those Charlton characters over the years. I think it would have been much better had they had they been the Watchmen, because ultimately I feel like DC did them a disservice. You know, slowly, one at a time, they were all, you know, killed or maimed or replaced or what. And, and I don't know if it's a copyright thing or what's going on, but, you know, the Blue Beetle was, you know, uh, graphically shot in the head in, uh, uh, what was that? Countdown to Final Crisis or Countdown to Infinite Crisis Jeez. book. Um the question died not too long ago and was replaced. Judo Master um, was, I don't know if he was killed or just crippled, I forget. But, you know, anyway, I think they just should have stuck with, with Moore's original thing of wanting to use the Charlton characters. And I think if he if they had done that, it would have meant more. It would have been recognizable characters that I actually was invested in as opposed to, like, whole new people and all. I mean, not, that's not to say they weren't interesting or I didn't like them. I mean, Rorschach's a hell of a great character, but imagine Watchmen if Rorschach actually was the question, which, you know, he was supposed to be. And I don't know. I think I would have liked it better. I think it would have it climbed higher on my, you know, on my list and, and been more, I think I would be more in the camp of the whole, whole rest of the world that holds it up is such a big, you know, big deal. Well, it was like Lord of the Rings in a lot of ways, where before this movie was made, there were people saying, "Well, it's unfilmable. You'll never, you'd never be able to make it into a movie." And yeah, when when I read it, I was like, "Yeah, you can make this into a movie. <laughs> you know, you could. There's plenty you could trim down and condense." Well, see, that's the problem. Is that I don't. How are people going to respond to that? Because that's they're not going to like it. Yeah, exactly. See, people I said that have before, their favorite is, parts of things and people are going to lose some of that you know i don't i i don't see them doing like the whole side story of the little black kid who's reading the comic book about the pirate you know that's just sort of he's reading this comic book and it's sort of reflecting into the story that's going on but it isn't a real you know it builds that kid's character so when at the end when things happen it gives it some more resonance but you wouldn't need it in the movie, you know, you'd focus just on the superheroes and the news vendor who's, you know, it's like the kid and the news vendor. There's a whole going on there and there's a, a battling lesbian couple and then there's a social worker and his wife who are having a fight. And that all goes on sort of around the story and I'll bet you that all gets uh, cut out. See, ultimately, Watchmen, movie, you know, Things like the Watchmen and the things, especially like say League of Extra Extraordinary Gentlemen, ultimately they make me feel like a hypocrite because they they go with that idea, they they take the basic premise, 
but then they have to whittle it down, they have to alter it, they have to, you know, do whatever they do to make it a movie. And when I'm not invested, like I wasn't invested in League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, I enjoy it, you know, right. I, because, you know, I, I can watch it and I can go, okay, that, you know, like, it's its I own mean, thing. You don't I don't know how, you know, I don't know why it, it bothers people so much that I liked League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I, I mean, I, I feel like I'm always on the defensive when I talk about that movie because I take so much shit for it, but. I'm sorry, you know, I liked that movie. What do you want me to say? I liked it. I thought it was pretty cool. I realized that it's nothing like the source material. Typically, that sort of thing bugs the shit out of me, but it only bugs the shit out of me when I'm invested, you know, right. like Superman, you know? Superman the movie, or excuse me, Superman Returns, rather, bugs the living hell out of me. I, I mean, I can pick that movie to pieces but there's other people who are totally uninvested in the last 20 years of superman who can watch that movie and walk away going yeah that was pretty cool yeah. which drives me friggin bonkers so yes i understand where the league people are coming from believe me i i, I feel their pain and it does make me feel somewhat hypocritical but ultimately and i know this is probably going to really piss some people off but ultimately i think watchmen the movie needs to follow the same formula that they went with 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 the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, the movie, which is take the basic premise, whittle it down, make a good movie. Don't worry about making a literal shot-for-shot, scene-for-scene, word-for-word adaption because all you're going to do is is come out with something that nobody's going to like. It's going to be three and a half hours long. Yeah. well, the diehards aren't going to like it, you know, regardless. And then, you know, the, the, the typical man on the street that just happens to wander into the movie theater and part with his... 20 bucks to watch it he's not going to like it either because he's going to be like what, what the hell is this yeah. so you know you, you got to strike that balance and sometimes that means taking an excellent idea and making a movie out of it rather than trying to you know make a, a, a you know whatever but anyway <laughs> i'm glad i'm glad that you read it finally i'm glad yeah, you me liked it Ultimately, I think you had pretty much the same reaction I did, which was, eh, it was all right. Cause I borrowed it from a friend, and I had it for about three years sitting on my shelf. I forgot getting to read it or never getting around to it. I mean, it didn't take me 22 years, but it. I mean, I read it well after the legend of Watchmen was established because I bought the first issue when it came out back in 80, what was that, 86? Yeah. I bought the first one can't imagine that I didn't read it because, you know, back then I didn't have zillions of comics, you know, that were unread and all stacked up. So I bought what, I, you know, I read what I bought back then. So I must have bought it and not thought much of it and just put it aside. But slowly over the years, I collected the other 11 issues just through like, you know, back issue bins or, you know, just through, you know, osmosis of buying up collections and what. So, you know, I eventually sat down and read it probably at least 10 years after it was out, you know, and finished. And, you know, that was, I was, I was pretty much the same way. Walked away from it going, oh, it was pretty good, but don't see what all the hullabaloo is all about. So I, I, I feel you on that one. What else you got? That's about all I got. But you know what? We, we've been talking about that for like 15 minutes. Cool. We're, we're good talkers. <laughs> <laughs> Do we need a break or where, where are we going from here? Yeah, I I say we take a break and come back with some 
gut-munching zombies. Cool. All right, we'll be right back. Sometimes a superhero comes along who is so iconic, so majestic, that only the finest of musical composers can compose his theme music. And sometimes you get superheroes that get this. Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman, how I wonder about the wonder, the wonder, the wonder, the wonder of you. Must be magic, only magic. Can explain the many wonders The wonders, the wonders, the wonders you do Just one look and you put a spell on me And took control of my destiny without trying Wonder Woman got me sighing Wonder Woman and falling madly in Wonder Woman, I'm just human, and you're so divine. Can't believe someday. Wonder Woman, you'll be mine. Wonder Woman, you'll be mine. Wonder Woman. Hey, we're back, and, uh, we're gonna go into the Walking Dead issue too, but first Scott had a couple, couple little items he wanted to address. Yeah, uh, just a, uh, just a couple quick things here. Um, one of them, and you know, wow, it, it it's so strange to me. It it's gonna feel good to talk about this, but it also feels kind of odd because I never ever expected to, to read this title again, let alone have something positive to say about it. But the uh, the title in question is Green Lantern, and also its sister companion book, um, Green Lantern Corps. Now, I told the story last time around in our last uh, Comics uh, Monthly Monday episode about how I had picked up, you know, the whole Sinestro Corps war thing. I picked that up st- uh, strictly because of word of mouth. There were so many people talking about it. It was such a big deal. And also, I'll kind of admit I had dollar signs in my eyes. I, you know, I picked all the issues up for a dollar a piece, and I thought if I hate it, I'll just turn around and sell it. I know I can get rid of it. But I'd heard so much about it, I just had to read it. So I sat down, I read it, loved it, thought it was awesome. But I, I got to give you the, a little bit of the backstory. I had sworn off Green Lantern. I had sworn, you know what? That's it. I'm done. I'm never reading this again. And and the whole reason why I never liked Hal Jordan. I didn't like him when he was alive. I didn't like him when he was Green Lantern. The only Green, the only Hal Jordan story I ever liked was when he finally went evil. He killed the core. He did all the shit that he did, and then you know Kyle Rayner became Green Lantern. I am a Kyle Rayner Green Lantern fan. I loved Kyle Rayner. I thought he was awesome. I, I got the whole run while he was Green Lantern. I really enjoyed it. I thought for the first time Green Lantern was finally an interesting character in an interesting book, and I really enjoyed it. But then when they brought Hal Jordan back, which now looking back on it with twenty twenty, you know, vision hindsight vision, I can see they, you know, 
where that was an inevitability. But I hated it. I just thought, you know, it undid the whole thing. You know, it, it, it I just was never on board with it. So I said, that's it. I'm, I'm done with Green Lantern. I just don't give a shit anymore. You know, they're bringing back, you know, this boring-ass character I could care less about, blah, blah, blah. But. But. Then I, you know, read the Sinestro thing, and I was like, you know what? I, 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 I've, I'm curious enough that I want to, I want to check this out. Not only do I want to go forward, and you know, I have sent, subscribed to the title through, uh, you know, through my subscription service, but then it made me curious enough that I wanted to go back and fill in the backstory. You know, I, I, I only knew so far back. So, you know, over the course since the last um, episode that we did on comics. I went all the way back to Green Lantern Rebirth, which was when um, Hal Jordan was redeemed and basically was restored to life and brought back as a character and brought back as Green Lantern. Because prior to this, he had been – his spirit was the stabilizing thingy to do with the specter that whole story is so convoluted but anyway he had been the specter basically and you know what it, it was entertaining i really enjoyed i enjoyed it a lot more than i thought i would for not really being a hal jordan fan uh, for actually being a pretty big hal, hal jordan detractor it wasn't a bad story and i i bought it to a certain point i still am not crazy about the idea i i still wish that well i'll be honest i still wish that he had remained dead and i'm i'm but what i what i did like what what sold me on it was that he didn't get a free pass you know it's still acknowledged that he did what he did but the reasoning they gave it and and what i really like is the fact that he's still on the outs with a lot of his fellow green lanterns a lot of his fellow green lanterns you know he hasn't won their forgiveness right. i like that you know there there have been consequences you know yes he may be back and you know he he's you know back as a green lantern and all that but, but things are he's still dealing yeah exactly things are not back to the old status quo and he's still dealing with the repercussions of basically having been a bad guy and i like that so hey, anyway hey mikey he likes it yeah i, I like it so you know I try to be a big guy, and when I, you know, when I when I feel like I've, you know, dissed something, or if I've, you know, had an opinion that that you know I've end up getting enlightened on or whatever, then uh, you know I, I try to be big enough to admit it. And I have to admit I, I was wrong about Green Lantern. It's a hell of a good book right now, and uh, I'm really digging it. And also, like I said, uh, talking about the sister book, the uh, Green Lantern Core. The one of the big reasons I'm really liking that book is, you know what? They haven't forgotten about Kyle Rayner. I get my dose of Kyle over in that book. You know, he's a big part of that that series. Um, and wow, props to the guys on that book for making Guy Gardner a character I actually can fucking stand. And actually, I'm coming to like. I I always hated him. I always thought he was the biggest fucking asshole. And he's still an asshole, but now he's actually kind of a cool asshole. You know, and I'm not a fan, but I could get there. You know, I mean, he he's interesting enough. You know, he's not one-dimensional anymore. He's, he's not actually smirching the Gardner name anymore. Huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And uh, and then I'm telling you the the character 
from um, the war, the Sinestro Corps war, that that won me over entirely. And this is a character I've just got to see more of. And I, I get the feeling I'm definitely going to get that with uh, a book that I'll talk about on um, our next Comics Monthly Monday episode. It's the uh, character of uh, uh, Sodom Yacht, the um, Daxamite Green Lantern. This guy's fucking cool. I'd like to see this guy get his own book. I mean, that's I mean that's really a neat idea. I mean, imagine you you remember Monel from the Legion, right? Oh, sure. Monel was was from the planet Daxam. He was a Daxamite. So basically, they were like they were like the Kryptonians' stronger cousins. So when Daxamites come to to Earth or like into a, like a yellow sun atmosphere, they're actually a little bit more powerful than Superman. So imagine Monel, for example, as a Green Lantern, and that's basically what you get with this guy, this the Sodom yacht, is you get one of the most powerful creatures in you know the the known galaxy to begin with, but then on top of that, he's a Green Lantern, and you got just one hell of a cool character. So I hope they continue to develop him, and I, I hope he he continues to rise in prominence in in you know in uh. Uh, the scope of you know what's going on Story. with DC, and it, it looks like that's where they're headed because he's he looks like he's going to play an important part in a, in another thing that's going on right now, and uh, I'll, I'll get to that next time around. So what else um, you got? The other thing, real quick, is uh, just a, a website that I want to shout out. Um, I don't know how much traffic it gets or how much people really know about it, but uh, I think it's a really cool site, and uh, just wanted to uh, let folks be aware of it. It's called the Jonah Hex Corral website. It has a, a web address that's actually very long and complicated. So if you just simply do a Google search for Jonah Hex Corral, it's uh, Corral is spelled C-O-R-R-A-L. This is basically everything you need to know about Jonah Hex. And Jonah Hex is one of those books that I, I'm just going to continue to talk about it and continue to pimp it. You need to be reading Jonah Hex. It's a fucking great book. It's just not getting the love. People just, I don't know what the, what the holdup is, but people just don't seem to be latching on to the, to the title. Westerns are, have never been a huge seller, not since before, well, yeah, not not since since like the you, 50s probably. Yeah, yeah not since 60s. superheroes came back. But I'm telling you, you know, don't write it off just because it's a Western book because it's so much more than just a Western. But anyway, talking I'll, about this website. I'll also make a point to put a link on our Libsyn site. Yes, please. Yeah, the the website's awesome. I mean, you know, it, you get you get character bios, you get uh, appearances, you get, you know, what's coming up in the world of Jonah Hex. There's always, you know, fresh new articles about him. Um, just Everything you want to know about him, but what what I really like is uh, it's meticulously researched as far as all of his appearances, everywhere he's ever appeared. There's a lot. There's uh, summaries for a lot of those issues, so you can get an idea what the story was about. Um, just super detailed, excellent, excellent website. And uh, so check him out. You know, and let him know that we sent him over. Two True Freaks sent you because uh, I've actually helped contribute in small ways to that site and, and credited on there. So I thought that was kind of nice of the guy because, you know, I didn't do anything major other than point out a couple of appearances that he had missed. So anyway, check him out. Let him know that we sent you over. So now we are going into The Walking Dead number yes. two. 
Cue All right. the evil music. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you want me to do the uh, quick let, and dirty summary on this I'll, one? I'll let you tell the story. I might throw right. in a few things here and there, but... All right. So we've got The Walking Dead number two, and beautiful, beautiful cover by Tony Moore on this one of Rick riding into Atlanta. And we'll, uh, we'll get back to this because I, I have some things to say about this awesome cover. So this story, this issue starts off exactly where we left off at the end of issue one. You'll, you'll recall we, we left off with Rick driving out of his hometown in his uh, police car. Um, this one picks up at the same spot where he's driving along and he drives into the great state of Georgia and can't get gas. He eventually drives and drives until the car runs out of gas and he's stranded on foot. So he, um, as he's walking along, he finds a house, goes, checks out the house, finds a family that it appears that the father has killed his family and himself fricks Rick out he runs outside pukes and then he notices that there's a barn he checks out the barn and lo and behold there's a horse that's been left all alone in this barn in the barn and so Rick decides you know to free the horse and use the horse as transportation he strikes up I guess what you could call a friendship or a kinship with the with the horse and Rick and the horse um, ride into Atlanta, and uh, yeah, I'm, I've definitely got to come back to this this part. Um, this 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 leading up to this part are all the reasons that this is one of my absolute favorite issues of this whole series. So Rick, you, you got to recall, and you know, Chris, you you really nailed it last last time around by pointing out that that Rick hadn't seen the zombies kill anybody yet. Right, and that never occurred to me before. But you're right, and I always kind of thought it was odd that he just kind of nonchalantly just rides right in amongst all these creatures. But that you know, that's so true. He just, I guess, he wouldn't have realized the danger he was in. Right, and he Until literally rides almost too late. Almost, yes, he rides the horse right into downtown Atlanta, and is instantly surrounded by what's got to be millions of walking dead and they pull him off his horse and commence to eat the horse and it's really just through sheer dumb luck you know that that he's not you know instantly beset upon and while he's busy trying to defend himself and and shoot his way out of the situation he's suddenly snagged by the collar by someone who's not dead who you know tells him to stop shooting and and follow him? Let's get out of the city. And uh, this guy, this guy's name's Glenn, right? I'm trying to remember. Yes. His, yeah. So Glenn um, saves Rick's life. You know, shows him where to go. You know, they climb up fire escapes and run across building tops and all these things to to basically escape and and elude the the mass of you know crowd of zombies that were attracted by Rick's gunshots and. Um, they, you know, they escape from the city and Glenn basically schools him on some of the basic things that have been going on, uh, while Rick was out and tells Rick that, you know, there's a camp just outside of Atlanta where, you know, they can go and they can be relatively safe and they walk up on the camp and as they get 
to the camp. Now, at this point, Rick is assuming his family's dead. Right. Because oh, yeah. Glenn has basically told him if anybody went in, anybody in Atlanta is dead. Anybody, they put everybody in Atlanta and, you know, it spread. Everybody who got shoved in there by the government is dead now. So he thinks that his family's done. That's right. That's right. Yeah, thank you for catching Yeah, I, I totally glossed over that. So as they walk up to the camp, Rick has a total holy shit moment where... <laughs> where he actually says holy shit. Says holy shit. And his wife and young son come running up to him and, and, and embrace them or embrace him in their arms and the family is reunited and that's where we end with issue number two. So thoughts on this issue go I wanna go right back right back to the beginning and go right back to the cover. Um now I live maybe forty, forty five minutes from this view that Rick is seeing on the cover. When I it's when an I'm actual road Oh well, I'm not. I'm not literally this road for, for per se, but if I drive I-20, which basically cuts across the state, if I were if I were to leave my house right now, make my way a few miles to I-20, get on I-20 and head east. When I come up over a certain hill, not far from Six Flags over Georgia, I see the exact view on the horizon that he's seeing on the horizon here that that shot of Atlanta it looks exactly like that and so that that just looks really cool to me you know just, right. just it, it literally does you know I mean so often in comics you know we get metropolis or Gotham City or what you know he could have easily done that with this this could be you know or they could even say, you know, New York or Atlanta, but, you know, they give you maybe the Statue of Liberty, but it doesn't really look like that. Or I mean, Atlanta literally does look just like this picture. So I thought that was awesome, you know, that, that they nailed. Yeah, you know, maybe nailed. he did his homework and got some picture, you know, got some pictures. And and that's another thing I was going to want uh, uh, ask you about. There's a shot later on where he's going in on the thruway into Atlanta. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll get to that one. Okay. Yeah, that was definitely something I was going to. Well, I mean, going right into the beginning of the issue, you know, the first panel is driving along in the dark, which, you know, a lot of stretches of road look like that. A lot of stretches of road look like, you know, a lot of the panels right in the beginning. But the one right off the bat that strikes me especially hard is the last panel on page one with the cop car. Right running out of gas and there's the two abandoned cars and the little overpass this literally literally looks like the stretch of i-20 where i would get on i-20 i mean it looks just like that there's a flea market like i can i can imagine up over that that hump that right. that hill, right the highest hill right up over that would be like where the bowden flea market would be i mean i can literally picture it there and it's like that is just too close to home for me right. with the issue about the zombie fucking apocalypse, you know, that, that I can picture myself like 20 minutes down the road from where this cop car is. I mean, reading this for the first time, it was like, wow. I mean, I felt like Rick had, had driven by my house, you know? I mean, yeah. it, really, it was really a weird feeling. And there's, uh, there are several panels in this 
where you know after Rick gets the horse and he's riding along there you know, the another one is the bottom of page um I think it's page 9 where he asked the horse so you got a name and that again that stretch of road and that picture wow i mean it's it, it's like it's right from around here you know it's really just kind of you know uh, uh unnerving you know but the one that you had asked about was that that picture at the top of page um, eleven. Is uh, yeah, that is a for me is that's my holy shit moment in this issue because it literally looks just like that. I bet it's from a photograph. There's even a I, what I love about it is off to the right. There's a Simpsons. There's a Homer Simpson up on a billboard. Uh huh. Yeah, you would see stuff like that because uh, yeah. not. I bet it was in the picture that they used or, you yeah, know, as a reference. Be, it could very well be because there's a lot of TV um, advertising as you come this stretch of road, and, and not far from here would be the um, you know where you would get on like 75 and actually go through the heart of the city. And I used to do that when I worked um, in Atlanta. And I would drive by every day. I would drive by the uh, the Turner Studios, and they have like you know they they have like a big TV that would show like cartoons and shit like that. So there was a lot of TV station advertising, and they would show you know pictures of like you know the the local news team or the Simpsons or whatever the hot new TV shows were. Even today, you know, you drive through Atlanta, and that's you know predominantly what you're going to see is is advertising for television. So yeah, I mean, seeing the Simpsons there on that and whatever is is really cool, and you know, not far from from this stretch of road back at the time this would done, you know, w- would would have been out, you know, would be. Uh, let me think. What year was this? Two thousand one. The comic came out. Yeah. What year did this come out? Two thousand three. Oh, okay. Years. Yeah. yeah Two thousand three. So yeah, by this time, I'm trying to think what's if this was still Brave Stadium would have been there, or if the new if the Turner I think Turner Field was up by then because that anyway yeah not far off in the distance like in the right would be you know where you would go to go to the stadium and all that. So it's just really ultra real to me yeah. in this moment you know that it's like wow you know this 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 is happening right down the road you know it was was the whole feel of the issue the very next panel where he's riding under the i know exactly where that is you know well tony moore really has a feel for for realism in the you know there's a little it's kind of a lot of his panel is minimalist but he puts a lot of detail into um say page four and five um there's a close-up of the bumper of his car. You can see the bugs stuck to his car mm-hmm. and the way the birds are sort of positioned up in the sky. It's just a very realistic. It captures the feel of, you know, maybe a fall day. Right. And then the next page, page five, I, the, this whole stretch of it, I think of it as the Clint Eastwood section because that middle <laughs> frame, he looks like Clint Eastwood. He's got the squinted oh, yeah. eyes, the set jaw the hat you know and the next thing he does is find a horse you're right and uh you know saddle up on the horse so it's so it becomes a western for just a little while and then that gets derailed as soon as he gets into into atlanta and uh 
And I also wanted to mention there's a little, um, that when he, when he finds the family and the father's killed everybody and shot himself, it's, that's a really a, amazing panel. Just the one, it's like a third of the bottom of the page, or it's a yeah. third of the page. And uh, you can put it; it's just so well done. You can put together just basically what happened. You could tell they were very religious. You know, they've all got Bibles in their hand, and uh, and the, there's a cross up on the wall. So you know, they were probably a religious farming family, and probably thought the apocalypse had come. And the fathers sat them all down. They probably all prayed and. And then he shot them and shot himself. Yeah, Rick, Rick's reaction in this is so human and to me is so utterly realistic because I, I think this would be my exact reaction. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, you know, just shock, horror, makes you sick, you know. Yeah, well, he but smells it first. <laughs> he's walking in the house and then he gives a little sniff and he's just like, ah. And he's a that, cop too, so that that image is so—I mean, it's really disturbing. Mm-hmm. But Tony, that's what Tony Moore. To I mean, that's what Tony Moore excels at. I mean, this this is kind of a a a, a peek at things to come when he went to uh, Exterminators. Exterminators was chock full of images just like this. You know, very disturbing, lots of creepy crawly bugs and yeah. Corpses rotting with you know maggots and things crawling through it, just really sick, twisted, you know, like beautiful horror is how I would describe right. it. You know, it's beautiful to look at, but it's a horrific image. So yeah, I'd, you know, he he's just something else yeah, when it comes the, the, to that. The shot of him opening up the barn door and the horse looking back at him is also a beautiful shot. He manages subtly by just the way he captures the essence of like a, an alert animal domesticated animal the, just the look that this horse is, is giving him you know you can tell the horse probably stood up and was looking at him like oh finally I get fed you know after a month right? Or, or however long it's been it's been at, at the longest a month and this is also the place where Rick finds his hatchet which comes in handy a lot in this in upcoming issues. I really like. I'm really impressed with the uh, the three panels a little bit below midway down on page. What is this? Page ten. It's basically panels five, six, and seven. You you know a lot of times. A lot of artists, no matter how awesome they are, or how great they are, sometimes they have trouble with expressions or or raw emotions. And in three panels, Rick goes from a happy memory and a smile on his face and like a like a, a, a like a good recollection, a good memory moment, to anguish just like like yeah. like looking like he's just gonna ball yeah, his eyes out yeah. in three panels and i mean this is the kind of thing that you you know 
really only masters can do that. I mean, I think of people like, like say like, uh, oh, what's the guy? I think it's Kevin Maguire, the guy who did so much of the Justice League stuff. I mean, he was really good at that, but from like a comedy angle, he could nail characters yeah. and faces and things, Will but Eisner. in a comedic way. Yeah, I mean, that, it's just... Always had, um, John Byrne always had good facial expressions. I, I mean, that that just, uh, you know, just to be able to do that so rapidly, to go yeah. from one emotional side of the spectrum to the other in three panels is just amazing artwork to me. Because yeah. that middle that middle one is even, I would even describe that as halfway. You know, he, he's happy nor sad. He's just... Well, you he, can see it coming across his way. face. Exactly, yeah. And, uh... And it's really funny as you're reading along with it, as you're reading his recollection, it's a recollection of his wife going into labor and his son being born, you know, and he's sort of thinking about how, you know, these good memories make him feel better. And just about when you start thinking, yeah, this is a real good memory, he's talking about his kids, but he's going to, he doesn't know if they're alive. As soon as you're starting to think about that, that's when he figures it out too. Right. You know, so it's like what you said about um, very human reactions. I think that basically sums up this whole book. It's how humans react. Exactly. To, to trauma, <laughs> to extreme trauma, to the point of where it's beyond horror. I mean, you know, it's the, death has become, will become a part of everyday life whether it be someone you know dying or being surrounded by dead people, death is always snapping at your heels in this, and this is how, you know, basically, no matter how much trauma a human being can go through, how there's always that will to survive. And well, I, I think that... Going on. I think that so many genres, particularly comic book genres, not just horror... Could learn so much from this book sure. with with that basic concept of take any concept, take any idea, no matter. I mean, because when you think about this, I won't say it's ridiculous, but it, it's highly unlikely that dead people are ever going to rise up and and do what's happening in this issue. But right. you take that basic idea. Set aside whatever inherent ridiculousness or, or unbelievability may exist in it and approach it from the angle of what would real people how, what, how would real people react? That to me is why this book works. It's That's why that yeah. never pick up a zombie book are, are hooked on this because they're hooked on the fact that holy shit, these people exist to me. They're, they're utterly real. And so I think you could take, you know, a guy that dresses up in his underpants and goes out and flies around and saves people. You could make that work the same way if everybody else in his world was a totally real human being. Mm -hmm. Or, you, you know, because, I mean, in this book, we'll meet people uh, of all kinds of personality makeups and, and and it works for me because not everybody in the world is going to be brave or trustworthy or likable or smart 
Smi- exactly. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's why it's clicking. And and I you know kudos to him. You know that that just it. it it's just amazing. I agree. I agree. I imagine he's winning a lot of awards and he should keep winning awards because the, and this should get acknowledgement beyond comic books because it's good writing is such a rare thing these days. Not that there isn't since there's such a huge slew of media and people are always complaining about how TV and movies are crap and they are but there's always really good people doing something somewhere you know if you i've never had trouble finding more than enough tv and movies to watch movies less so but tv comic books i'm always able to find something good comic books i'm down to just a few that are really good but this stands out across media you know this is good writing if you were an author, you know, an author of a text-style book, it, it's good writing if you're writing a script. Any The storytelling is just amazing in this, and it should be getting mass popularity. Although, I don't know if... I guess zombies are mass popular now. I guess they're a, they're a popular thing, so it seems I like don't this know that that's be, necessarily a good thing, though. There was no, another. <laughs> there was another new right. zombie that came out just recently that I, you know, just out of, just out of sheer morbid curiosity, I, I flipped through it and, ugh, horrible. I mean, and and not not good horrible. I'm talking right. like horrible. It was just, ugh. and you know that that's the only downside. Well, I mean, uh, you you can't blame The Walking Dead, though. I mean, you 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 really you can't blame. No, whoever does anything good is going to get copied and ripped off a exactly. million times, and people are going to grab their coattails. That's just how it goes. Exactly. So it happens to everything. It's, it's like, would you rather not have The Walking Dead come out so that the copycats aren't around? You know, you just don't buy the copycats. Well, I, it just worries me only in the aspect of I I, I don't want it. I don't want the original to suffer or or be criticized or to be watered down by you know the the sheer you know glut of of shit imitators you know and that happens it that might, happens yeah it might water it down for a little while but the test in 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 time the dust will settle in the in the you know the the um, wheat will rise above the chaff or whatever. And I hope so. I hope so, only because I apply that same theory to to something like what we were just talking about before the break, to the Watchmen. I think that's part of the reason why the Watchmen doesn't have that knock-your-socks-off thing for you and I, because we got to it years after the glottation, you know? Yeah. And, well, I've, and by I've read the- some really good imitations, of, or at, I wouldn't say imitations, but things inspired by Watchmen. You know, mm-hmm. there were a lot of uh, there was a Maxi Mortal and the Brat Pack were two series by Rick Vage that sort of owe a bit to the the Watchmen a little bit in the revisionist superhero sort of sort of way. But he took it in a different direction. But it might not have happened if the Watchmen hadn't happened. You know.
Uh, I, I just, you know, I look back and, you know, you look at, you know, you take, you take somebody today, you take, say, your, your average, I don't know, 18 to 20 year old today, show them Psycho or the original Night of the Living Dead yeah. or the original Halloween. And they're going to look at that and go, this sucks. You know, what, what's, what's so, why is this so, well, I mean, uh, look at uh, The Exorcist. I had never seen The Exorcist until about two years ago. We uh, we rented the, that special edition thing that came out not yeah, long ago. It's been like, this is a well-made movie, but it probably didn't scare the hell out of you. I didn't even think it was a well-made movie. I mean, honestly, I walked away from it going, what is the deal with this movie? And so that that's, you know, when when you when you get to that point where you have a legend and then you have a legend that has had just, you know, just sheer you know, repetition and a and a glut of imitators and a lot of them that were shitty imitators you know, the, it, it can suffer. It, it can suffer from being watered down to a point to where, you know, someone comes along and says, oh, I need to, you know, because that's why I, I, I like say, take like Citizen Kane, for example, never seen it. And I'm scared to watch it because I will want to see it and see it for the legend that it is. And I know I won't. I know I'll watch that movie yeah. and walk away going, what's so great about this? Here's because about Citizen Kane is... It wrote the language of film, of modern of film from that point on, the way that a story could be told in a movie. But all that's so basic now, and it was so established after that, that it looks like an old It looks like a really... It's very beautifully filmed, and it's an interesting story to watch him rise and then fall. But... Yeah, nowadays it doesn't seem revolutionary. See, when it came out, it blew people's minds because the story was being told in a non-linear fashion and the set design and stuff was way beyond what anybody would ever thought about. People had been basically filming movies like it was a um, stage play and you put the camera aiming at the, at the stage and, and stage everything out. And he made the camera more active part you know his use of editing sound everything light everything sort of defined cinema at that point but if you were just if you were just watching tv and it came on it would look like an old orson and orson welles is better than most old filmmakers but that's what it would seem like it wouldn't be like wow this is blowing me out of the water you know getting back context Oh yeah, absolutely. Wrapping up here with the Walking. What else do we? Uh, what else do we have here with Walking well, Dead? This whole sequence where the zombies sweep in on the horses. Brutal. Brutal, and it's the and this this into the second issue. Now, when I first read this, I read this in the anthology or you know the collected mm -hmm. paperback. But it was still separated. You could tell it was separated issue for issue. This issue is where... This point right here is where reality sets in, you know. He's on his horse. It's all very... It's all very just sort of romantic at this point, you know. He's got a horse and with the guns a cry and he's a state trooper. He's going to go land and find his family. And then in just probably... I don't know, maybe... 
what would you say, 10 to 20 seconds? Yeah. This next few pages are maybe, maybe 30 seconds at the most. Everything, you know, his horse is taken away from him and eaten, and, and all of a sudden, you know, the entire town of Atlanta is advancing on him. And that's, and this is basically where the story starts. This is basically where, you know, Rick knows he's not in Kansas anymore. <laughs> he's known he's not in Kansas anymore. But this is where he, the re- brutal life-or-death reality sinks in for him. And, uh, you know, perfect timing for Glenn to show up to pull him out and and also here's a character who can come in and explain what's going on yeah you know who what's been going on and you know don't make any noise or they come towards noise so you learn that about the zombies i like glenn and and glenn yeah. was kind of he was kind of a slow burn for me to come to like him because my initial reaction when I first saw him, you know who I thought of? Short round. Short round. Yeah, it's exactly who I thought. I thought, oh God, no, Backpack, don't, don't. Baseball cap, Asian. Yeah. 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 But I, I, I did really come to like him, and uh, yeah, I think he's a he's a cool character, and I, I like that he's you know, he thinks fast on his feet, and he's very just practical, you know. Yes, he's he, a, he's, got, he's a survivor. He's gonna survive. He really is, um, you know, he's going to figure out, and as we'll find out in the future, he's he's figured out some things that, that, that are very helpful that he uses in, in future episodes with Rick. What's odd, though, what's really, <laughs> really such a, just a freaky, freaky dichotomy to me, though, is that here is one of my absolute favorite issues of this whole series yet it has one of my least favorite endings to any issue of the series. I, I think there's only one other issue whose ending I, I, I disliked more than this one. And it was only because it's not, it's not that it's not a good ending. It's not that it, you know, it's, I mean, you know, who doesn't like a happy ending and all? But I just thought what him... What are the odds? Finding, yeah, exactly. And what are the odds? But also, what are the odds? You know, in two issues, it just seemed, it seemed a little rushed. I mean, I had no problem with him finding his family. I, I could forgive the coincidence, basically, but I, I just felt like he should have given it just a little more, maybe one more issue. You know, but still, you know, it, yeah. it is. It is not, you know. Well, this this issue relies on two, you know, moments of just extreme chance. One, that he happens to, you know, when he gets overrun by zombies, that Glenn is there to save him. And two, that Glenn takes him right to his family. Immediately. (laughs) Immediately to his family. But in, like, a big story... uh, as far and this is a book that really cleaves to reality so when you have these sort of things that sort of push the odds that was sort of i remember being sort of questionable about that it jumps out at you more is that what you're saying at the beginning when i first started reading this i was like well that's kind of that's a little bit far-fetched you know there's a (laughs) lot of people in the atlanta area and oh yeah, no shit. This quickly, he's there's his wife and kids that he's been after, you know, coming out of a coma, and he's just like basically headed right in a straight line for him. 
But that's where he Kirk Kirkman probably wanted to really start the story because this is where the story really starts right after this. So he probably wanted him together with his wife and kids. But this was the way he sort of wrangled it to happen. And it also... I'll, I'll forgive it because there's a sort of trial by fire entering the underworld feel to it where, you know... I, I mean, I'm going to cut back into issue one, but it's got a sort of um, going to hell aspect to it where Rick's been in a coma... Rick dies, you know, metaphorically, and wakes up in a new world that's very hellish, and it would almost seem like that crowd of zombies in Atlanta was like the crossing over point where it goes from the old world into the new world of zombies, you know, or crossing the river Styx into Hades. I don't know. Am I getting reading too much into it? Maybe. <laughs> Do I, I can kind of see that now that I you say. I just thought of it. But so you know, it could be total bullshit. Well, something I thought of though is you almost have to forgive it because if you if you get too anal about it and you, and you have that you know. Yeah. This destroys how ultra real it's been so far. Then you kind of cross into that thing like Wizard of Oz, where people bitch about, "Well, where did Dorothy get that bucket of water? It wasn't for a second. It's like, are you fucking kidding me? Well, you're talking about a movie with like talking scarecrows and walking tin men, and you're gonna bitch about the you know a continuity flub with a bucket of water? It's so, not an yeah. insane stretch of credibility, but I'm glad he got it over with at the beginning. You know. To sort of get it get it out of the way in the first couple issues because really after this there isn't anything that straining in the in the reality version as far as I'm concerned. There's nothing this that was the most stretched coincidence in the whole, you know, fifty four issue or whatever it's up to's run. And it was right in the second issue. When yeah, nothing get, nothing comes immediately to my mind either now that you yeah, say that. You know, so get it out of the way right at the beginning and get on with this story and that's exactly what he did. I think I think he could have avoided cuz I, I know that you and I are not alone in that in that I I hesitate to call it a criticism but I guess that is what it is. But I know that we're not alone in that opinion. I I think he could have deflected that had he given it one more issue. You know, say say just one more issue between like, say he meets up with Glenn, and Glenn is just far enough away from the camp to where they had to, like, spend the night in the field. Yeah. And then and then in the very next issue, they spend all day traveling to get to this camp, and then his family just happens to be there. I think it would have... It would have read just a little better, and maybe you wouldn't have quite that... that I don't know, maybe it would still feel like an incredible coincidence, but it wouldn't feel so much like, well, that was fast. Because my, my thing wasn't so much the coincidence. My thing was like, damn, that was fast. You know, yeah. like, like well, that, that major... You didn't even really have to look. Exactly. You know, that, 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 that major issue for him, for, for Rick alone, that major issue of where's my family was resolved really fast. So, and you very know, my, easily. <laughs> yeah. But again, you know, you 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 uh, you got to 
pretty much overlook it. I mean, you are talking about a, a story that's about, you know, zombies overrunning the world. So, you know, you can only inject so much realism, I guess. But but ultimately, that you know, that is kind of, a I guess, a minor quibble with what is yeah. a, a fantastic issue. You know, I really liked this one. It, 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 I mean, this one worked on so many levels. You know, you, you had... Just a couple, just a couple teeny tiny brief little things that would make you maybe not necessarily laugh, but make you make you smile. Some things that scared the shit out of you. Some things that you know just rattled you. And then you have a nice, you know. Ultimately, you have a nice, you know. The music comes up, and you know, the 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 wife and husband and the little boy all run into oh, each other's. You know, so you know. I mean, it, it it had everything. You know, in one package, one issue, it it worked you it worked you over emotionally, and I, I really like that. It's it's the rare comic that does that. I mean, you know, movies, sure, you know, movies can do it. They've got two hours, but you know, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I I really think that that this was yeah. one of the best issues of what is you know just a great. Well, this had all my favorite zombie movie atmospheres in apocalyptic <laughs> atmospheres. The empty roads with a lone traveler, you know, just exploring the wreckage of society. I love that. And and the city full of zombies. I love that horror atmosphere, and it's got that in it. Now that you say that, that's probably one of the reasons I like this one the best, because ultimately... This is the the zombie setting I like best. Is the the metropolis full of zombies? You know, because the 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 my favorite zombie movie image would be that that bird. I guess you would call it a bird's eye view. You know, looking down toward the very end of the remake of Dawn of the Dead where they're in the trucks and surrounded by just millions. Yeah. Uh, I mean, as far as the eye could see were zombies and they, you just have this total thing of, oh, they are fucked, you know? And that's really what this sequence with Rick was like, was like, you know, if he hadn't been pulled out right then and there, he wasn't getting out, yep. you know? And uh, and I like that, you know. Well, he, I'm sure he was completely thrown for a loop too as to what was going on, because all because basically all of a sudden it was just like I'm riding my horse, and then he just had enough time to think, oh shit, and then yep. and then it was they were all over him. Yep, he realizes he's in it then. Yep, a great issue. Do you notice how short the letters page? It was only one page in this one. Some of the uh, ones are like novels in themselves, but yeah, just one. Sometimes they're as long, almost as long as the actual comics. But yeah. it's going. <laughs> but I think um, he didn't. I think he didn't expect it to get as popular. I mean, this is issue two. People probably weren't. There was probably just a handful of people checking it out at this point, you know. Or even if it was starting to get really popular and get a buzz, the letters maybe weren't. Um, flying in like, but w- once the letters started flying in, I think he wanted to pretty much print everything that wasn't repetitive or just a gush 
Although he prints a lot of gushing letters. <laughs> and I think he likes, honestly likes answering letters. He seems to enjoy responding to people and occasionally, you know, uh, slapping someone around a little bit or setting them straight. So the letters page are always really amusing, I think. I see the first mention on this particular one of the uh, the 28 days later opening scene coincidence. Yeah. And uh, he just says, Sigh, I wish that damn movie had never been made. <laughs> as oh, much well, as I love it. That he probably had it all written, and then he saw 28 days later and went, Oh, no, yeah. come on. What? And then he probably thought to himself, What am I going to do? Should I rewrite all this, or should I just stick with it and tell people... Hey, look, <laughs> it's a coincidence. You know, I wrote this before at the same time or whatever. It wasn't conscious. And, and I, I think love that's what he opted to do. I love what he says here. He says that opening sequence was totally mind stolen for me. And I, you know, uh -huh. th I know this will sound. Is. Yeah, exactly. This will sound so conceited, but I don't know how many times I'll, I'll come oh, up yeah. with some great idea. And then, you know, not, not six months later, I'll see some movie coming out, you know, and I'll think, God damn it, oh. that was my idea. <laughs> yep I remember in high school having this idea and maybe I don't know if I was it was you and me both talking about it but it was basically sort of the idea of the Terminator it was somebody from another time coming to assassinate someone and I think they appeared in a dumpster they like materialized in a dumpster. That sounds kind of familiar now Doesn't that you it? say that. Doesn't yeah, it, it was yeah, something it does. we just like we would. T I don't think we ever put words on the paper about it. But I, I specifically remember like coming up with this idea. And oh, it's a you know he's from the future, and somehow you know he gets transported here, and when he appears, you know it's like a, almost a random location. So he ends up in a, it was like a bum a bum like is rummaging through the garbage can or goes to rummage through it and finds him in there and is killed horribly. But <laughs> yeah, then like two or three years later, there was the uh, the Terminator. They've got us bugged, man. That's it. They've been watching us since middle school. <laughs> Final uh, final thoughts on Walking Dead number two? Can't wait for Walking Dead number three. Yeah. And it, yeah. You know, and, and as I'll probably be able to say at the end of every episode of, of this Walking Dead, as long as we do it, which is hopefully indefinitely, it's only getting better. <laughs> it's only getting better from here. Well, better as far as enjoyment and worse as far as <laughs> the world going to shit. Well, I'll I'll tease just enough. I know we don't want to give anything away as far as spoiling ahead, but I'll tease just enough to say that that coming up, few more issues from now. But coming along, there was there was a an ending, a a, a, a sort of a cliffhanger ending that I thought I was going to drop the book, and so I'll just I'll I'll tease it with that because there was there was there was an ending where I just said, oh, no way. No way. So, anyway, that's uh, that's Walking Dead number two. Fantastic issue. Um, so we just need to close it out, right? Yeah, I think we're all done now. I think we're all done here. I think we've all right. done all we can do. 
Thank you for joining us. Be sure to come back this time next month for uh, our next comic book uh, monthly Mondays, in which, amongst other things, we will review Walking Dead number three. Um, next week is one of our just uh, open topic shows, and uh, who knows? It's just kind of a free-for-all, fun, anything-goes type episode. I can say uh, this. We don't even know what's going to happen. <laughs> at this point, as we're recording this. First Monday of every month, we have our Star Wars Monthly Monday episodes in which, amongst other things, we are uh, reviewing Marvel Comics Star Wars series in order. Um, on the second Monday of each month, we have our Star Trek Monthly Mondays in which, amongst other things... We, we review one classic episode of Star Trek, the original series, with Captain Kirk and pals. And uh, then that third week, Vince, the comic one again, and uh, just around and around we go. So uh, be sure to join us. Um, drop by thecomicforums.com. Look for our forum on there, Two True Freaks. Drop in, say hi, tell us what you think. Uh, what do you like? What don't you like? What can we do better? What are we doing just fine? Don't change it. That sort of bullshit. Um, what else uh, we got? Come visit our blog page on Lipson. It's uh, twotruefreaks.lipson.com, and that'll have links to our forum. It'll have um, links to our MySpace page, our YouTube page, and uh, is our email address on there? Our email address is on there. There's awesome. a cute little picture to go along with every episode, and sometimes yeah. we even throw up some video to augment what we're talking about on this show. So. Yeah, That's I'm glad the place you, to go. Glad you said that. I meant to mention that a couple episodes. I keep forgetting to mention that. If you subscribe to us or you know, you, you subscribe to like an RSS feed or whatever, still occasionally drop by our main page because I don't think our pictures for each episode show up on the RSS feed page. Check out the main page. Hopefully you'll be amused by some of the awesome pictures that Chris puts up there because some of that shit's really funny. So I like, drop by I like Photoshop. <laughs> All right, that's it for this episode. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, be sure to uh, let us know one way or the other. Um, also, we need some reviews in iTunes. Drop by iTunes and uh, give us a kind shout-out on there. Um, be sure to check out uh, the books that we've recommended and uh, also check out uh, some of the podcasts that we recommend, like uh, Super Future Friends and Avengers Assemble and... What else? What are oh, we forgetting? Geez, there's a ton of them. Half hour wasted. Uh, quiet panelologists at work. And of course, Comic Geek Speak. Oh, Thank course. you for uh, letting us uh, swim in your pool again, guys. All right, that's it. Take care. We were swimming in the pool. Is that all? Kissing <laughs> in the pool. Yeah, it got a little warmer. All right. Yeah, sorry. Didn't mean to cut you <laughs> off. Off we go. Bye.
Oh, you're still listening. Good, good. That means you're one of our cool listeners. One of those people who, you know, waits around and listens to the whole thing in case we say something funny or important. Not that I'm going to say anything funny or important. You're also probably one of those people who stays at the movies till the credits are ended. Not that I'm going to give credits or anything, but just say it. You're cool. You're one of our best listeners. We love you, man or woman. Keep up the good work. <laughs>